Hello and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post. Uh, Fisherman's Post has been serving the local fishing community, regional fishing community since 2003, bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and now in our latest efforts, the newest chapter, this podcast series. In the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series, we talk to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast, and we ask them, invite them in to share their insights on how to catch more fish more often. But truly, I believe the goal is just to empower you, get you out on the water more often with more friends and more family. Um, This episode is titled Early Fall Trout in the Wrightsville Beach area, and it's featuring Captain, Captain Jamie Rushing of Seagate Charters here in the Wrightsville Beach area. So we're going to be covering some when, some where, some baits, and techniques, again, for early fall trout in the Wrightsville Beach area. Uh, before we get to Jamie, though, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host, as it is every episode, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Hello, Billy. What's up, Gary? Hey, man. I don't know about a co-host, but I'm a co-host. Is that what I said? Am I nervous? I don't feel I, it's nervous. It's been a minute since we recorded, so maybe you're a little nervous, huh? Well, well co-host. Oh, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good, man. Good. Well, at the time that we're shooting this, I've it's flounder season, and I've caught all short flounder, so... A little irritated about that, but excited about trout episode. So, so they closed it down for every angler to try to give people a better chance to catch a keeper and flounder. And I still can't. And you still can't. I caught them all spring, and I still can't catch one during the season. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. But whatever. I'm over it. Maybe I'm going to be on trout after this episode and forget those stupid flounder. I think it might be time. <laughs> oh, man. Well, it's definitely time to uh, talk about our sponsor making this show possible is Marine Warehouse. So we really appreciate you guys over there at Marine Warehouse. I got a quick little commercial from them. We'll be right back. This is Preston with Marine Warehouse Center. We're your headquarters for Carolina Skiff, Sea Chaser, Prepare Marine, and Sailfish Boat. If you're looking for tons of features and value without compromise, Come check out our inventory in person or check us out online. Awesome. Yeah, so go check them out, Gary, online. Online. That's good. Or on Market Street. Or on Market Street. Or down in South Carolina. Just don't click off this podcast episode to do that. Not yet. Yeah, that boat will be waiting for you later. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, speaking of podcasts, if you're watching, you know how to watch. If you uh, don't know how to listen, then I'm going to show you how to do that or vice versa. Whatever. doesn't matter. Here we go. Here's our our little social uh, information. Uh, We're on Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and also YouTube. And it is very important that you guys um, like and subscribe to our channels. It really helps us out with the algorithm so if you love this content you love fisherman's post be sure to hit that or smash that like button and hit the little bell button as well and the subscribe button so many big ask there for subscriptions and all that fun stuff but i have an ask of you Uh oh all right i had a marine warehouse center feature that we moved over too quickly <laughs> we did it's I not a, it's not necessarily a little known fact it's not a get to know the people better all right it is, I'm back to the Billy Thorpe quiz question. And if I did call you a co-horst, here I am. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a special plug for calling you a co-horst. All right, perfect. And this wasn't planned. So Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative, who's, who deals in promotional material. That's correct. Um, yeah. Among other things. 
Marine Warehouse Center sells Richardson hats on their website. No going to the website right now. What do you think they're retailing those Richardson hats for? Marine Warehouse Center, stylish, good-looking mm. Marine Warehouse Center hats that I hope they're sending us two of right now because it would be much better <laughs> if we had one. If we were wearing hands. each wearing a Marine Warehouse That's Center perfect. hat. Um, I would say that the going market value on average that I've seen is probably twenty four ninety five. You are five cents off. Twenty four ninety. 25 bucks 25 even. 25 bucks even. I don't think right. Emmett doesn't want to count They're change. They're not even playing though. Emmett, Emmett doesn't count change. He said make it 25 bucks. <laughs> Just give me the five and let's go. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what 29.99 is about anyway. Maybe acting like you get a better deal than 25. Yeah, that's manipulation. And Emmett isn't about <laughs> he's manipulation. He's a straight shooter. Give him he's the He's not about change and he's not about manipulation. 25 bucks even. 25 Walk bucks. out the door. That's it. I like it. Show me I a like fish it. photo. Here we go. Here's a fish photo. Jack's Jack's gear, um, age five. Look at him, man. And his dad with a speckled trout caught while fishing near Masonboro Inlet uh, using a Carolina rig with a live finger mullet. Good-looking fish, good-looking kid, good-looking family. I yeah, like man. it. We like to celebrate our junior anglers. We like the family element. And now I'm going to give you a, a reminder for Billy's best takeaway. I'm going to talk to my friend Jamie Rushing I'm here. I'm writing it down. And Jamie's going to tell me about trout. And then when Jamie's done talking, I'm going to come back to you and say, Billy, what was your best takeaway from all the information that Jamie just shared? It's going to be an epiphany. All right. It's going to be great. All right. So now let me bring you to my guest, my talent, J Captain Jamie Rushing of Seagate Charters in Riceville Beach. We're going to talk about early fall trout in the Riceville Beach area, when, where, baits and techniques. But before we get to that, we've got people tuned in, waiting but they're also trying to figure out, should I listen to what this guy has to say? Jamie, tell them why they should stay tuned to listen to what you have to say. Well, I feel like, um, you know, most people know my reputation as a meat and potatoes kind of fishing guy, um, a blood and guts kind of guy, if you will. But I do enjoy fishing for all types of fish. I don't target just one sort. Um, my favorite three fish are the speckled trout, the flounder, and the red drum. But as we're talking about speckled trout, I have been running fishing trips here since 2005 around Wrightsville Beach. I've been featured in several publications, including the Fisherman's Post and some well-known national magazines. Um, I do take trout fishing seriously, and um, I feel proud that I've put a lot of people on some big trout. So, yeah. Me included? I'm on that list. Hey. I'm on the trout list. Cohorts. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. So, before we get to trout talk... As you were warned, we've got this feature, two questions. In this case, it's not technically two questions, but this is non-fishing related. Putting you on the spot here, and I'm going to apologize for my lack of creativity. I like to try to find some kind of play on name. I was looking at rushing, and the best I could do in the limited amount of time, because we went to print last night, was Mount Rushmore. Jamie Rushing, can you tell me two of the presidents on Mount Rushmore? Uh, George Washington. Ding. And Abraham Lincoln. Ding, ding. You got it. The other two, Billy? Uh, no, that's not my question. <laughs> <laughs> Jefferson and Roosevelt. You crushed it. You crushed it, Jamie. <laughs> so now, without further ado, let's start talking about when. Again, we got this labeled as early fall, but I know you're catching trout during the summer, too. I mean, I've caught them with you in the summer, and not many people, especially in Wrightsville Beach, are doing it. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing in summer and then how you start to see that change when fall comes around. Sure. Okay, well, you know, there's not every morning that I decide when I get up and I, you know, you know, planning my trip, there's going to be certain anglers, there's going to be certain times when 
I feel like the day actually, you know, lends more to trying to target the trout. You know, uh, if the anglers I feel like are qualified to do something with artificial baits and, and I know also if I've had them before and I know they're capable. And two, um, when the, stein, the signs start lining up, I mean, you can target trout year round here. Um, a summertime trout here is, uh, they're always in a spawn period the whole time. So you're going to find a lot of little male trout, but you're going to also find some big female trout in the mix. Um, but what, the, what starts really tuning me into a summertime trout is when the big groups of finger mullets start traveling down the intracoastal waterway. And I'd say in June, mid to later June and in July, you're going to start seeing great big schools of small of finger mullets. Sometimes they're smaller early and they get bigger as they go. But when you see, see these big piles of mullets start working down the banks on the intracoastal and some of the east to west running creeks and the estuaries behind our islands, that's what triggers me to start thinking, okay, these fish are going to be ambushing these, these baits on points. And that's when I start targeting them. So is the water ever too hot in the summertime to be able to expect a trout bite? Absolutely not. I mean, they, we have a lot of resident trout. They eat year-round, and the um, only thing I can say is they're very delicate animals, and when the water's hot, they don't do well. So handling a big, large female trout, if you do catch one in hot water, make sure you get a quick picture and make sure you take the time to revive her because the females are the ones holding the eggs this time of year. They're going to be very fat. They're not going to be grunting because only the trout, male trout make a drumming sound. You get a hold of a female trout, let's get her back in quick. But no, you can catch them year-round, and the temperature does not matter. So as far as early fall, are we seeing an improved, if we're talking about early fall trout fishing, are we seeing an improved bite over summer? Well, you know, the, the bite in the summertime is not something you can totally count on, but you could always target them and you can catch them year round. It depends on how much time and effort you want to put into that part of your day or if you just want to target trout, period. Um, knowing that if you live around here, you know that the trout fishing improves and gets easier in cooler temperatures. But in a crucial part of a Grand Slam here is a speckled trout, a flounder, and a drum. And if you want that trout, it's easy to acquire. You just got to go about the right ways. You got to go around the right ways to do it. And you got to feel confident in what you're doing. And you got to know where to look. And you got to, and you just got to go do it. Because if you don't, you definitely won't catch one. So when the fall is coming around or the summer is winding down, however we're going to look at it. September. What is the water temperature that starts to get you more excited? Uh, I don't know if I know an exact number on the temperature, you know. Um, see, you know, we start getting some cooling days in September, but it's still going to be hot. Um, it all still revolves around the presence of all this bait and stuff. But I'd say, you know, later in the month in September, when no one's really thinking of speckled trout, there's going to be a good amount of them in the mid to later half of September. And... Um, there's just certain ways to go about it. Um, you're going to see it improve from there on, but there's going to be really good trout fishing. While most people aren't expecting it, I'm going to be catching bags full of trout and nobody's going to be even thinking about it yet because there's other things to do at the same time and they don't think about it yet, but there, there are going to be some good opportunities early that people will miss out on if they don't prepare themselves. So probably the number one question that people have when we're talking about any inshore species is where? You know, people would love for Billy right now to bring up Google Earth and have Jamie Rushing point on Google Earth and say, go here and go there. But that isn't going to happen on this episode. It hasn't well, no one did yet. that for me, so right? I can't pass that on, you know, myself. But. Understood. Right. That being said, there's got to be some things you can look for because, again, people are watching this, not just curious about Wrightsville Beach, but how it can apply to where they are on the coast. What's some habitat clues, features that you're looking for? 
that tend to hold trout better than others? Well, you know, the speckled trout, like I said, they're in the middle of a spawn right now. All right. So what they're, they're not worried about anything except spawning and eating right now. Okay. And they want to make sure that when they're doing this, they're going to be somewhere where when their eggs and the males fertilize the eggs that the females let go, they're going to flow into an oyster estuary where the eggs can incubate in their first year and grow in an oyster area. They're also smart enough to only, to only spawn on a rising tide when the water is going to flow back into creeks and back into oyster beds. They won't do it on a fall. They're smart enough to know that. So that being said, you're going to want to find areas near oyster, air, oyster marshes. Um, but let's just make it a little easier. How about like if you're on the Intracoastal Waterway and all the bays between Figure 8 Bridge and Carolina Beach Inlet, you got a lot of spits that go into bays behind Masonboro Island and the island of uh, Wrightsville Beach. And all these islands on the Intracoastal Waterway, you're going to find certain old oyster beds and rocky areas that if it's a rocky oystery area, live or dead shell, on the corner of a creek that may spill into a flat, these fish are going to stage on these on and near these creek areas because they're smart enough to know that they want their eggs to go back into oyster beds. So what they do is they stage up. The males will get in big groups and they will sit around and make sound with their with their drumming sounds and they're just going to be calling up their females and saying this is where we're hanging. Come on in here. Let's mingle. Let's let this stuff loose and it's going to go back and do what it's supposed to do. Right? Right. So that being said, you need to find yourself looking on places where you know that these eggs are going to be going into oyster beds, any of the big oyster beds and bays, even on the west side of the Intracoastal Waterway um, from Figure 8 to Carolina Beach in that area. I mean, that's, that's not just saying here, but the area that I fish mm-hmm. is mostly that. So, yeah, the, um, they're going to look for places where there's large shell beds and rocky areas where they know these eggs are going to get washed into, uh, into some bays and estuarial areas where they can mingle, not get eaten by croakers and pinfish, hiding down in the oyster cracks only to be in the first year of their life, 10 inches long in the next year, able to get back and spawn with the other males. So what about anything about water depth? Is, is, do you like a skinnier water, deeper water? No, or? it's not gonna be too skinny or too deep. You know, it's gonna be edges of creeks and estuaries, but nothing too super shallow. They're gonna want some moving water and flow to help them carry their things along. But um, no, average depth, you know, three to eight, 10 feet. Okay. And, um, yeah. And, and more so in these places than in like inlets this time of year, because when we find them a little later in the fall and they're going to stack up in area inlets, they're done with the spawn. They're not, that's not on their mind anymore. And what they're going to be looking for then is food to fatten up for the winter. So, and it's also going to be that we have a huge influx of shrimp in the fall and all the shrimp come pouring in from all the inlets and they want those shrimp. So that's why a lot of times they're gonna move because right now they might be not eating as many shrimp in the area that I'm talking about. They're eating more mullet. But as the fall comes on and we start getting less mullet and more shrimp, they're gonna switch over and the shrimp are gonna be coming in mostly from the ocean, a lot of white shrimp and that's in our area. So they're gonna start pushing and staging in the Jetty Rocks of Wrightsville Beach, Carolina Beach Inlet, Masons and riches and so on because these shrimps are going to be coming pouring in the inlet and that's what they're looking to eat so i don't know if this is a dumb question on the to go back to early fall when we're still in the spawning stage and they're not sure. just gorging for this for the winter it you say that their spawning system they know to do it on a incoming tide 
Does that mean the trout bite is better on an incoming tide because you can more predict where they well, are going to be Also, they only do this in the middle of the night. They're not going to do this <laughs> in the daytime. They, and they prefer a, like a, uh, on a moon, on a full moon. And in, in, you can read, I've read a lot of this. And the South Carolina DNR puts out amazing literature about the life cycle and, of the speckled trout, more so than the North Carolina stuff. I don't know why, but they, they tend to take their fishery a little different than North Carolina. But they put out an amazing bit of, you know, free stuff that you can get from them. You can order it offline. I'll tell you the life cycle. But what I've read and what I've found is that they're smart enough to know to do this also in the middle of the night. So you're not going to probably interrupt their lovemaking session or anything like that. And it's not going to affect how the fishing goes. What you're going to find is they're going to be staged together. You're going to find a lot of males. But if you pick through the males, there's a big girl down there. And she's going to want to eat too. So you're going to have to... uh, Maybe wade through a lot of more small male fish that you're going to hear grunting and grunting and stuff when they're in the boat. Um, and in your hand, you're going to feel them vibration in the stomach. That's a male. And you're going to start noticing that even a you know, 15 to 16-inch female is going to be big and fat and around, you know, around as compared to the little skinny males. So, you know, they, that's just the way it goes. So I don't think you got to worry about that. And the only thing that you're going to find is that when you find them, you might find a good group. Uh, in the early spring or early fall at yeah. time because they're going to be in big groups trying to you know get that done but they're also going to need to eat so yeah to, to to target the day moving water matters but tide doesn't matter it could be it could be on the fall of the rise but you do like the moving water that's right you know and it doesn't stop for long you know what i mean you mm-hmm. can kind of fish through it if you have to sometimes you'll find that they bite through it i don't discourage that i've used it as an excuse plenty of times but no i think you'll find that as long as you got some moving water and um, you're going to find sometimes if the wind and water are moving the same way, it might be a little more difficult, or and if they're going opposite directions where you're fishing at. But as long as you got water moving, you should be able to catch them. All right. So let's transition. Give me one bait. You are you are known to be a nuts and bolts. I forget exactly how you worded it, but man, you are function over aesthetics and looks. Does it work? Does it make sense? Yeah. Right. So I'm curious to hear how we start this conversation. Give me one bait you like to throw for these early fall trout. Well, topwater bait. All right. And usually because I'm targeting them early in the morning. For one, there's less traffic. There's less people around to see where I'm fishing. And a lot of times it's right out in people's, where people can see me. B, uh, they'll readily accept a topwater bait this time of year because they're feeding on these mullets that are coming down the bank. And they're going to see one that's singled out or something, perhaps. You're throwing it around a big school of mullet. And this one's darting off to the side like he doesn't want to keep up with the group. They're going to single that bait out. And they will readily just take top water baits early a.m. even in sunlight but best early and that's a lot of times when I'm fishing for them but say you can't a person can't walk the dog with a top water bait primarily really Gary there's two baits that I use more than anything now okay wait I don't want to leave top waters yet all right all right so with top water baits I like a spook bait um I'll, is it cool to drop names a little yeah times? man all right so I like the Excalibur spook um, I do like a Rapala skitter walk, but I find myself using more of the Excalibur spook and the super the uh, the one knocker spook better. I just like the way the bait swims and does better. I feel like I get better results on it. And um, but you know any top water bait that you have a lot of confidence in that you can walk and work properly will work. And the color does not matter at all. Okay, I was going to ask, does color um, matter? No, you know I typically like to use real bright colors: bright pink, bright orange, white. Something that I can visually keep up with while my anglers are fishing. 
And if I've got two people, I prefer to have one throwing an orange and one throwing a green. That way, if I'm they're throwing near each other, I'm like, all right, orange dude, you got something behind you, or something, and I know who it is instantly, or I can say if you're using, you know, you're not getting mixed up saying, oh, you're both throwing orange. I didn't know which one of you guys were getting ready to get a bite because I don't think the color matters that much, and it's visually easy for you to keep up with a bright neon colored bait, twilight, early morning. Um, of course, white always works well. But, you know, looking up at a topwater plug, I don't think color matters to them at all, personally. Um, as far as the early fall goes, it's a summer day, a sunny day, not a summer day. It's a sunny day. You can expect reasonable results on topwater until how late in the morning? Uh, shoot, I mean, really all day. Really? But, I mean, it's, it's probably a little less likely. I've had success with them in all hours of the day, bright sunlight, noontime sun. Um, but I've got more confidence using it early, and I typically go, my rule of thumb is, you know, early top water. A little later in the morning, say 10 o'clock in the morning and on, or, or even, you know, earlier than that even. Even after the, if once the sun is up in the sky, you got some sun, then I'm going medium, I'm going in the column, but I'm not going to the bottom. So typically I'm starting at the top, Sun comes up, I'm going subsurface, sun guts up higher, I'm going to the bottom. And then backwards on the deck when the sun comes back down, you know. And you can count on a bait. You you got jerk baits, which I'm going to say a jerk bait is a bait with a bill on it. Okay. Like an X-Rap, Rapala, XR10, Glass Ghost being my favorite one, but I've caught them on every color. And also, like, say, for instance, the Yozuri Crystal Shrimp, another one of my bread and butter baits. I like these baits because they've got a bill on them. You know when you throw them and you crank them down a few feet, you let them suspend, they're sitting at four feet deep. That's what they're designed to sit at. And I've got no question in my mind, if this guy I got on here has no idea what he's doing, that if he's throwing that bait and pulling it down and stopping, it's stopping where I want it to. Then that's a jerk bait. Now you got a twitch bait, something like a mirror lure or a Miradine. Even the 52M mirror lures, they sink at different rates, but they're in the column. Some don't sink much, some sink a lot. But do you really know where they're at in the column all the time? If you don't, if you're not using them, and you've got somebody that you don't know, it's a safer bet for me to use all these build baits. But there's a special time for all of them. But as far as confident, or as far as like people having the skill to use artificial baits, I found that with a, a, a X wrap and a bait like that, and like an, a Yozuri Crystal Shrimp, something that's a suspending jerk bait that only goes in the depths all i gotta do is if i can get them in the right area and get them to use it somewhat properly i've seen people with no experience at all ever using an artificial bait have great success with these lures so therefore i use them a ton with experienced and inexperienced anglers so is the value that you really like the four foot mark for targeting them once the topwater bite might slow or is the real value that you know exactly where it is in the world well no i'm thinking that you know once the sun has come up a little bit they're just like human beings we don't like to stare up at the sun they ain't got eyelids so they don't want to look straight up in the sun (laughs) you know what i mean so they're going to want something that's a little lower in the column and even if the water's deeper they're going to come up and eat that bait They'll eat a topwater bait in eight foot of water in the early morning hours. They'll see it up on the surface and come up, even if they're staging a little lower. But, you know, I just feel like they're not wanting to stare straight up into the sky and then the sun as often. Um, and you got to think, too, there's a lot of food for them to eat. Why are they going to want to eat this one? You got to make it stand out a little bit. You know, you got to make it look like it's wounded or injured. And these baits are designed to do that. So you don't have to do a lot, but, you know... Um, it's like playing with a cat too. You know, you get a trout to bite and he won't bite again. 
You know, I tell people, put your hand under your leg and wiggle your fingers. You'll get his interest again. you got to do something a little different once in a while, but, but those baits will work. And the only reason those jerk baits, it's not so much the depth, Gary, is what you're asking. It's more that they're not having to come all the way to the surface in the brighter sun. Because sometimes with the twitch bait, we're not getting it down far enough that we're still playing with the surface when we should be down around the four-foot-ish mark. Yeah, and, 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 you know, and as the sun gets up higher in the day, um, a plastic, a grub, a, with a jig head, small, you know, a, some sort of plastic, like, you know, this, just, let's just say for instance, a DOA shrimp. Okay. That's not a heavy sinking bait, but it'll sink as long as you let it and go. So when you're fishing like a, something like a plastic like that, or a lighter grub head on a soft plastic, like a, a Z man trout trick in a three sixteenths ounce, say jig. You always are going to, more so than most fish, with a trout fishing, if I'm stationary, I'm fishing this bait to have a swing, okay? You're going to want to have a target on the bank that's going to be directly off the beam of your boat. But you may cast at two, at 1 o'clock to ever to get your bait to be in the, the zone where you want it by the time it reaches that in a drift with the current. So you don't have to use, your, you don't have to whine or anything. You're going to pay, you're going to let the, the current help you. By throwing up current, letting this bait swing down with a natural swing, getting to the depth, depending on how fast it sinks, where you want it to be when it's off the beam of your boat. And then different variations. And you can always throw it off the beam, let it swing back, and drop line to it and stuff. And just take advantage of the swing, twitch, twitch, and let it fall. Twitch, twitch. More so than working it back to the boat, whenever you can, let the current help you and use that to your advantage. All right. Especially with trout fishing. Man, you are dropping a lot, and I am trying. I mean, this is beautiful information. I'm trying to keep up. Uh, but really, it comes down to three things: top water baits, jerk baits, plastics. When the sun's a little later, those three things are going to be your bread and butter. You might come home with a lot of other stuff tied on. You know what I mean? Because you might try things later if the bite stops or you're not doing that well with it. But if you have confidence in those three positions in the column, and the time of day you're fishing, use them appropriately. In the depth of water, try to use them appropriately course i said early in the morning top water bait will work deep water but and even those jerk baits but you know if you're in 20 foot of water you know what i mean or something you may want to go a little deeper but generally speaking in the same wet depth of water i may fish from eight to ten feet and shallower on banks where it's at an angle they're going to stage on these banks on the rock and stuff because and the reason why i also say is to fish around rock and old shell and oyster especially when they're ambushing these baits because that is the absolute perfect camouflage for these bait, these fish, to sit and wait for baits to come to them. And like I said, with these baits swinging, that's mimicking this school of bait fish swimming down the bank, and they're just sitting waiting on it. You know what I mean? So you got to get that natural presentation of a swing through. Not as much as if you were in the mountain trying to play a trout in the mountain current, but you need a natural sweep, sweep through when you're using the subsurface things. The X-Wrap. The soft plastic, you don't have to wind it. Those things are going to travel with you, and they're going to suspend through the column and float through and down. And where you want your peak of your cast to be, you're going to throw a little further to the left or a little further to the right and allow that swing. And you might have to play with it a little bit. It's like playing darts. You might have to adjust a little bit. But where you get that one to thump it, you want to you know, you want to do that over and over again. So you're moving, as we're throwing any one of these three options, and I, I, you did, I love how you broke that down. I have some follow-up questions with some of the top, th you know, our three, our top water um, jerk and, and soft plastics. When you were moving down the bank, 
trolling motor heading into okay. the current, trolling just no, drifting with? No, always with, with uh, for me. I never fish against the current. I always fish with the current falling unless I'm stationary. If I'm stationary in a current, I'm, 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 working that, that, I'm working that bait with the current, letting it get a natural flow by me. Throwing it up current, letting it come down until it gets to the end of it, throwing it back up. And if I'm moving with the current, even if I get the bite in the same place, I'll work a 30-yard area over, and I'll start well above it. So by the time I get to where I feel like the fish are staging, rather than sit right in front of them and beat their brains out, and just keep throwing at them right there, it might work for about 10 minutes. But I find if you give them a second to breathe between passes and you come by every few minutes, you're going to be able to slowly pluck all the fish off that place. And they're not going to sit there and tolerate baits coming on bam, 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 bam on their head. They're going to get tired of it real quick. So just try to take your time and pass by these things naturally. And if you get a bite every time you make a pass, to me, that's that's fantastic. Come by, make your cast, catch your bite, get your bite when you get past them, get on down the bank, and then slowly ease way around and come back up. You know, somebody might come try to zip into where you're at and say, you know, and get, but that that's another thing. But but no, you should you should try to kind of let them breathe. Yeah. And don't beat the brakes off of them, especially when you're targeting them in current places like that, and you, especially if you got it to yourself. And I might know, and these other people might think they're going to get a bite all the way up and down the bank. I know that they're only going to get a bite in this one twenty-yard stretch or one ten-yard stretch. I don't. I just tell them to fish it all seriously, mm-hmm. and and it gives the fish a time to breathe, gives them a time to relax, and then these baits come in a natural presentation, and you can just pluck them off one at a time. Beautiful. All right, a couple of follow-up questions. Okay. On a the jerk bait okay. that I am on your boat and I'm successful at getting it down four feet because it's hard not to. What is the tip you give me to give that bait action? You say, you know, try something like what's, That's what am I question. doing with it? Okay. Well, what I tell people for the first, when I put the rod in their hand and I say here, you know, you throw the bait out. Okay. When it hits the water, you close your bail manually, put your rod tip at a 45 degree angle to the bait. All right. So you want your bait and your, you know, your rod be, you don't want to be pointing straight at them. You want to have a little side two on this thing. And you're going to wind it about four turns. That's going to get your initial depth, your initial depth of this lure that it swims at down. And it's going to get your line tight. So you're going to go bump, 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 and the lure is going to come down and it's going to stop. When you stop, give it a good jerk, pop, or either pop, pop. You can do as many as you want. Mix it up a little bit. Be creative. But nothing too crazy exaggerated. You don't want a whole lot of slack coming back. You just want a good solid twitch pop, pop, jerk, jerk, and then let that bait sit still. While that bait's sitting still, you're winding up the slack that you just got in your line from twitching hard, you know, or jerking the bait. So that, and that little pause between is going to be about the right amount of time. Now I'll, I'll give it a good jerk, jerk, wind up my slack and still sometimes let it just sit and then pop, 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 then wind up my slack. But mix your, mix the cadence up a little bit. But really, it's a nice pause, and the most important thing is I tell people, when you're picking the slack up from when you jerk that bait, make sure it's got some pause time because that's when you're going to most likely get bit. They're not going to hit it in the middle of the jerk, and they're going to be sizing it up. And when it jerks and it pauses, that's when they're going to take advantage and usually strike it. And that's going to be in the first half of your retrieve. You know, it can be back at the very end of the boat, right at the boat. I'll find sometimes that I'll, I'll work a bait halfway back, then I'll wind it without going crazy, pulling it in real quick, just wind it to the boat. And when I get it to the boat, 
much like a musky fisherman or something up north, I'll sit there while it's sitting at my boat and give it a good pop, pop, pop. Because I can't tell you how many times I've done that right before I lift it out of the water and one's eating it because he was chasing it to the boat because after he was thinking about it, didn't eat it, then I just started to retrieve it. He followed it. And when I gave him another chance to eat it at the boat, he did. And it happens a lot. But they're hard to keep on when they eat it within two feet of the boat because they just go, <laughs> usually throw the hook off. But, you know, give them time to eat it. Give them time to get it. Work it back about two-thirds of the way. Don't pull it in like a crazy band. It's going to end up maybe getting tangled or something. And once in a while, you'll get a bite while you're just slowly retrieving it back. You know, one aggro and we'll, we'll crush it while it's moving. But most of the time, if you know you're in the zone and for your first half of your cast, take it serious and make it look pretty and make it look sexy and give it some good hard jerks and some pause time in between. And that it will drive them nuts. And I've been doing this for 15 years. I've been using these same three baits and tactics, and I'm not changing anything. I mean, there's other baits I like to use in different times of the year, but this time of year that we're talking about, that's what you need to be doing. How about same question, man, maybe no difference for the twitch bait. Okay, the twitch bait is going to be a shallow water, more of a shallow situation presentation. Okay. You're going to use it to sweep like we're talking about. The jerk's not going to be, you're going to twitch more than a jerk. You know, it's not going to be, it's going to be a very subtle twitch. Okay. And I think a lot of people fish a twitch bait like a jerk bait and they use it, they do a little, they impart a little too much action. They're going to find out, first off, they're going to wonder why they're getting fouled all the time. Secondly, then they're going to get some memory in their leader, and then they're going to get fouled even more. And then a lot of times I'm fishing that to say some of these cuts that go back behind Masonboro on the intercoastal waterway that go into these large bays, you're going to find one side is deeper than the other, and you're going to be able to to say a lot of times the deep water is going to be on the edge on the one side or the other and a sandier bottom in the middle, shallower. You're going to find there's areas where there's like three feet deep. Um, even at higher tide, it might be dry at low tide. But some of these shallower places like that where this water is flowing out of these bays into the intracoastal, using a shallow water twitch bait like a Miradine or an MR-17 works really well in those places because it'll hover in like a two to three foot of water. And it swings well with the current. It casts well. And, um, and it seems to work good in situations like that. And they make some heavy sinking Dean baits, but the reason, and they work fantastic. The reason I don't use them more is because my client base has a lot more success with these other ones. I do like using them if I'm in shallow water, then they'll be able to, they can usually get the hang of it. But in a deeper water situation where you got to be a little more time, concentrate on the timing and how long it takes for your up current swing to get you where you want to be. You got to understand how long it takes for it to get deeper and it's just a little more difficult for most people. Most of the bites come on the pause with that too? Yes. Almost almost all the bites are going to come on the pause, generally speaking. And what I do too with the topwater bait, now we're talking about pause. Yeah. You know, some people say, well, you do it, I do it a lot more mechanically than you do. Or I, I walk a steady rhythm. Well, I don't walk a steady rhythm. I'm like a boom, boom. You know, I go click, 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 click. <laughs> don't rush it away from the strike zone. Don't be in a hurry to get away from where the fish are at just because you want to walk it methodically all the way back to the boat. Stop. And the reason I know this is because I used to run a tiller handle trolling motor all the time. And every time I reached to get my trolling motor and I'd be looking at the trolling motor, wanted to explode on my plug while it was sitting still. And my wife told me, she said, 
well, that'll tell you you need to stop a little more often. And she was exactly right. Because we did a lot of fishing together for topwater trout. And she lives for topwater fishing. So, no, I, I'm really, I love to try to give it a couple click, clack, talk them into it, try to make your zigzags farther, try to make your glide, your plug glide a little farther. Instead of a pop with a tip, little pop pull, make your bait get a little further wide glide on it. And play with the action with it, and you can literally talk them into getting it, getting more bites. You got me excited right now. I'm ready to crush a top. I'm ready to (laughs) eat a topwater bait. And and hey, if you live on a if you live on a pond (laughs) or you live somewhere where you got a retention pond for bass fishing, best practice ever because there is a timing thing with topwater. Even if you get all that right, you could still jerk it away from them if you're not Hmm. fishing it right. And I'm guilty of it like anybody else. I mean, no one's perfect. Except for my wife, but she, but, um, you know, you can throw a topwater bait and you can miss a bite and you by pulling it away from the fish. So you really need to try to be in contact. And the only advice I have for people when that, when it comes to that, cause I'm a very hyper individual. What? No as, way. As you, you, when you, when you get excited and there's one on it and you get the bite, just restrain yourself from pulling, but lean into it. It's not a pull into it. It's a lean into it. With a with a with a tight arm and just to pull that rod tight until yeah. you feel something there, and you're going to lose a lot of fish on topwater bites because the fish are going to go all ballistic. And a lot of times when they hit this thing, they're a violent strike. They're going to catch it on the outside of their head, where they're going to run the opposite direction and make turns, and it's going to pry the hooks off of them. But it's worth it because the bites are fantastic. They are. You've, you've done it with me. We, yes. We, you've done it plenty. And you know, it's it's about the best thing. All right, oh. so now last is a little bit more insight, as you've done with the other two, on the soft plastic. Am I am I hitting the bottom? Am I maintaining contact with the bottom? Okay. Help advise me, get grub the best bite. results with soft plastic. With a grub. Not like not a DOA or a, or a, or a bait like that. That's uh, Let's give them a name like a storm bait or, a, or, a, or a, a halo shrimp or a DOA shrimp. Those baits, we're going to just call those. They're a bait in their own class, okay? Because they don't sink as hard or fast as you would even if you've got a, a, a grub head on something. So if you're talking about soft plastics like your favorite green curl tail grub, yep. your trout trick, these sort of things, your old uh, stingray, gotcha, whatever you, you dig up. Um, yes, it's going to be an on-the-bottom bite. You're going to want that bait. You're going to throw it out, and you're going to want it to hit that bottom. And you're going to want to be in contact with the bottom. And you're going to want to know when you hop it up and it falls down, Whatever it takes for you to make sure you're on that bottom. And I tell people, if you wait, it's going to get to the bottom. Like, you, you, you know, I don't know if I'm on the bottom. Well, it's going to sink. You're going to get there. You just, you might not know it, but if it, eventually it's going to be on the bottom. It's not a bottomless pit. So slow down, okay? And look, also, I learned from watching TV a long time ago, Bill Dance, be a line watcher. Watch your line. If you've ever got any doubt in your mind that your lure is still sinking, pull a little slack out and lay your line across the water. Watch it travel backwards till it stops. When that thing stops, it's on the bottom. And then yeah. if you maintain a very slow retrieve and only wind a half turn or so, enough just to maintain tight line. You're not trying to travel it much. And in this same instance, you're going to be able to use a current swing on that same bait, but you're going to want it to be on the bottom, and you might feel it bumping along the bottom. Okay. So if it's an oystery shelly situation where you might be getting snagged by doing that, that might not be the right bait for that spot. You might want to use a DOA or something that kind of bumbles along and kind of rolls through stuff, and it's not so heavy. It okay. gets down there, but it has a little more buoyancy in the fact that it'll travel and kind of skip over stuff. 
where a grub's going to just shoot right down into a crack of a rock or something, you know? So you just in that mindset, if, if you want to be down low, but you're not getting, you're getting stuck a lot, you might want to try something like that. That kind of just, I like to say, just skips over that stuff because it just, it's a, it's a more buoyant bait. It might be a half ounce, but it's not going to sink as fast as a half ounce jig head on the front of a plastic. Man, this has been yeah. fantastic. So, Jamie, sure. here's what we're going to do. We're segueing out of this, man. You've given us so much information to process, to try to use. You know, what I want you to do now, I want to give you a, a minute or two to talk about Seagate charters. Walk, walk my people through what's Jamie doing throughout the year. Talk, start me in the spring. Take me through. Make sure you tell people what you told me at the beginning, that in the summertime, even into the fall, that trout is part of what you like to do is put people on the slam. Like I, right. I've done it on your boat a couple of times and it is cool to finish a half day and say, man, Jamie just put me on a trout, a red drum and a, and a flounder. So make sure you include that when you walk me through your calendar pretty quick. Okay. Well, you know, I, I start, we'll just start right in January, right? We got fish year round. So wintertime fishing, you're going to find me split between the Cape Fear River downtown fishing for striped bass and also trout fishing all winter long. Because speckled trout will bite in the middle of dead winter, and sometimes that's the best bang for your buck in the winter. Um, so I'll do that until about March. Then about March, we'll start getting some, uh, you know, the tailor-sized bluefish, smaller bluefish in on the beach. Still kind of going back and forth between striper fishing. I get tired of that. I'll go beat up some dock fish around the Wrightsville Beach area. There's a lot of good opportunities when the water is clear to dock fish for red drum, and you can still target trout. Um, the only time it gets really hard to catch trout is when the water's in the 40s, low, like 40, low 40s. But then okay. the redfish will still bite. But, yeah, so that's still what I consider wintertime fishing. I'm fishing a lot of dead shrimp. I'm trying to catch black drum, red drum, maybe a speckled trout for the anglers that can fish slow and methodically in cold water. And then uh, spring comes along. You got April, May, or, you know, after you get out of March, you start getting some Taylor bluefish, then we're going to get all... You're going to get your ocean stuff that comes in like the Atlantic Bonita, false albacore, that sort of thing. I spend a good amount of time doing that because it's a great change after three or four months of wintertime style fishing to get out and have something stretch your string out, fight real good and hard, easy opportunities. And it's good to see all your friends and everybody out together trying to target these Atlantic Bonitas. We've had a good show of them the last few years. Tasty fish, lots of fun, good for kids. Um, and there's several ways to target those. And then... About May 1st, when the water starts getting about 65 degrees to 70, the Spanish mackerel arrive. And the very biggest ones to get here, the very first ones to get here are the biggest of the year. And they come from the south. So I get all excited about trying to catch a side taste in Spanish from about April 15th to the 1st of May. Um, and we're still mixing them in with Atlantic Bonita and False Albacore in the same areas to the south. When I say to the south, I'm saying off Fort Fisher and that area. Uh, and that's your time where you're going to, you know, you got a good opportunity at catching a big citation uh, Spanish mackerel. And those are the ones uh, of all the Spanish fishing of the year. That's probably my favorite of all of it, you know, because right. that's more of that. And then, you know, then you got June, you're going to start getting some nice bigger redfish instead of the, the puppy drum and up to the slot size fish that we catch all winter. We're going to start seeing some better size quality fish slots, upper slots and overs are going to be on area inlets, near shore artificial reef areas up and down the beach as well as some of the, you know, Civil War structure wrecks and things like that and live bottom areas on the ocean front. There's a lot of drum there, and that starts about June for me and goes all the way through the summer. Um, this year was different with the flounder because we had a small window, but typically July when it's hotter in Hades, I'm sitting out in a wreck fishing for flounder a lot in the ocean mostly, myself personally, now that you can target flounder everywhere. I like to fish all the near shore artificial wrecks. I found it's an easy place for people to catch them, plus the 